I found out something interesting about Sonic yesterday. You did? Yes. You know, the one of hedgehog? our church members used to own Sonics. Oh, it the came, restaurant. Well, not you may appreciate it. It came okay. from a small town in Oklahoma. Saskatchewan? Why would he appreciate Oklahoma? that? Are you've come from a small town in Oklahoma? Yeah. Yes, he was raised really? in a small town in Oklahoma. I didn't know that. He wears a lot of OU stuff, if you haven't noticed. But uh, Well, I knew that, but a lot of people claim colleges. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, it used to be called Top Hat, but there was another organization that had OU that name. OU used to be called Top Hat? <sighs> that was the precedent, I think, in the sentence. <laughs> Oh, now you're diagramming sentences? <laughs> Stop it. So anyway, back to my important message. So Sonic had a different name, so they had to change the name. And so you know why they call it Sonic? No, I want to know why they called it Top Hat. I'm not going to tell you. Cause you it's surprising you, you blew up my... Man, you're a jerk. <laughs> so our, our church member, what did he own, like 20 Sonics or something? You know, it's, I'm way past the story now, so... Don't try to come back and like you care. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Tell me more. You know, Ronnie, that was very yeah. <laughs> interesting. I did not know that. No hedgehog was killed in the making of this story. All right, Ronnie, it's good to be back in the podcast studio it with really you today. You have an interesting topic to us personally. I hope that our global domination audience finds it interesting as sure. well. So you and I, with the help of you know our content curator, Michael Glenn, talked about the idea of doing a series talking through culture, talking about our staff cultural statements versus our congregational or community cultural statements. Yep. And I thought we might start it off, kick it off with one of our culture statements that we use called enter the danger. So there, there's a couple way I want to spin and talk about this. But for those of you that are listening to the podcast, I want to start it off by really having a disclaimer. This morning, I had the opportunity to spend time with a pastor who he was not the lead pastor. He was a staff pastor, but a very, very accomplished person. Lots of skins on the walls spins at a great RPM, highly intelligent, super creative. And uh, what was sad to hear in the story is that he was just crushed and spit out by a church that he served at for a length of time. It wasn't a short duration. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, mm. it, it's, it's one of the uglier stories that I've heard. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it's a repetitive story. Yeah. But the thing yeah. that is particularly interesting, and I want to preface this as we enter this podcast, Okay. We're getting ready to talk about culture, and we're going to give you lots of information about, hey, you, this needs to be written. It needs to be intentional. You've got to be dogmatic about it. Well, the reality is this pastor's last church environment had their values written out. Yeah, They were intentional, but it can't stop there. Just like with a strategic plan, just like with architectural master planning, the work of quantifying and codifying these things is the first step. But if the lead pastor does not himself model these things for everyone else, then just don't do it. Don't do the exercise. Don't preach these things to your staff, but you have was, to model it. That was the problem in this it current was. scenario. It was. Really? Yeah, it was a, it was a classic narcissist oh. you know, environment, very manipulative. I, obviously, I, I don't want to share the details of it, but it was, it was pretty bad. Will you tell me later? I will. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so let me start by saying how grateful I am as the executive pastor of a church to serve with Ronnie Marriott, who is humble enough uh. to know that he doesn't have all the right answers all the time, that is humble enough to know he needs lots of other people to be thinking about things 
to drive to decisions that are better than an individual person would make and the fact that seriously, friend, you live these things out and you have given me freedom to process and spin and create around these cultural values over the years. So thank you very much. Love you too, man. Love you. All right. So today we're talking about enter the danger. And so Ronnie, why don't you, from your perspective in your chair, let's talk about why is enter the danger the very first one we ever talk about as a staff and what does it mean for us and for you? Well, it's it's just that word danger. Yeah. has certain connotations that come along with it. That seems an extreme term, but I think you have to be a little extreme on this one because people tend to, I think, avoid dealing with, what do you want to call it, conflict or issues or problems, whatever. There's this sense for most people just to sweep things under the rug, be passive about how they deal with conflict, especially in a staff, because it, it gets awkward as, or any organization where people work close together, you're going to have conflict. We talk about it in marriage and family, but it's also true in business. But I learned early on from a pastor when I was a student pastor, one of the best pieces of advice, he says, never sweep anything under the rug. You got to take the bull by the horns and you're, you know, as a pastor, you're the one that sets that tone. And if you'll do that and model that, then that'll begin to spread out through the staff. But a lot of people aren't prepared. A lot of people don't know how. I mean, even conflict management, just as basic as that, people aren't taught those skills often. It seems to me that dealing with conflict in your marriage is a no-brainer and is required, right? I mean, even if you just argue and get in fights about it, I mean, you're you're talking about it. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, my wife does not like the fact of where I leave my, you know, toothbrush. Yeah. And so, she's going to let me know and we're going to hash it out and then I'm going to keep leaving my toothbrush there. <laughs> yeah. But at least we talked about No, I'm 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 kidding. I'm kidding. But it seems acceptable and appropriate and expected in our non-working relationships to deal with these things. Yeah. Now, when you go to extended family, it becomes a little more muddy and complicated. Right. Right. But I just, I wonder why is it in the workplace, we are so reluctant to deal with conflict. And before you answer that, I think it might be a good idea to kind of just set the table with what are we really talking about here? What are some real examples we can share of entering dangerous items? Well, I think you can, you know, in, in a staff context, you see a, a staff member that's maybe willfully or unwillfully uh, abusing time, abusing time in the office. I mean, ministry, a lot of our work is done outside the building. So it's easy to take advantage of those kind of things. So rather than just praying it'll go away or reiterating your policies all the time, sometimes you have to go directly to that person, point that out. Hey, here's some some issues I see. And hopefully they're, you know, apologetic and, and fall back in line. But just hoping they're going to figure that out or passively approaching it by walk, well, a little drive-by statements, I mean, that rarely works. And it's not a good way to handle things. It's so like if, uh, oh, let's say Michael Glenn, hey. as an example, let's say that he started sending me text messages at 2 a.m. in the morning. Which is against uh, our policy. Which is against our policy. Again, isn't it surprising, though? Maybe it isn't surprising to you, but I'm amazed at how many ministry teams do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just ludicrous. But anyway, if he did, then it would make sense that I need to get with Michael and say, hey, man, here's what our policy is. Yeah. If you are in dire straits and have a personal emergency, text me at 2 a.m. Yeah. But if it's work-related, yeah. you can't do that. Right. Well, an example, you know, not with us, but a story from another 
church that there was a staff member that for some reason couldn't make staff meetings. So he would just phone in to the staff Mm. meeting for the year and it was allowed to go on. And so that started to spread all the other staff members. Wait a minute, how come this person gets special treatment and we don't? And it was just total dysfunction and no one ever dealt with it. And so that just continued to create that staff infection that began to spread. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly happens like one of the areas that I see churches avoid the danger is on staff changes. It's painful. Here in our context, we have had some really excellent ministers of the gospel that are no longer with us, that culturally didn't make a good fit, RPM didn't make a good fit, but they were really good ministers. They're and, still alive, just in other oh, churches. I'm yeah. sorry. No longer. Did I say no longer with us? I'm so sorry. Yes, they are ministering successfully in yeah, another context. Exactly. Right? And so when it came time to have to make some of those really difficult decisions, I've seen church after church after church do the horrible, painful stuff of, hey, we're sending this person on to somewhere else, or this yeah. person decided it's time yeah. to go. Yeah. And I'm proud that you and I bore the pain. Mm of saying, no, this yeah. is a Christopher Ronnie decision yeah. and we own it. Very upfront with our people to yeah. let them know this person did nothing wrong. Right. We made a decision. We're going in a different direction. Yeah. With much prayer and conversation about yeah. that move. Yeah. And then much tomatoes and, <laughs> and lettuce thrown at us as we walk to our cars. Yeah. Evil posts. Yes. But, and then also just the whole danger when it comes to staff and the church as a whole. So again, I think there's understanding, hey, in staff, we're going to have conflict. We're going to get on each other's nerves the closer we work together. But it's a different realm when you talk about, okay, how does a staff respond to church members that need to be approached or confronted on different issues? And again, I think there's a common passivity in a church. To, well, let's just, we just need to pray about this need. Yeah, no doubt. You need to pray that when God has made you aware of sin in someone's life or even behaviors that could be deemed or not deemed sin, just are not appropriate. Right. Do we just sit back and let that happen and just pray, well, I hope God gets hold of that person? Yeah. M- most often these are exhibits of passive aggressive behavior. A lot of these conflicts come yeah. up from that. They come up from someone throwing a social media post into the wildfire yeah. of the, the internet yeah. and just thinking no one's going to pay attention to that. Yeah. I mean, my word, there was one organization where an employee was just trashing the company on yeah. social media and thought that, hey, that's my private life. Yeah. You can't do anything about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and no, that, that yeah. is not true. The thing that we're going to suggest in this episode is it's easy to think through these major horrible things and, you know, letting people go and applying church discipline and all that kind of stuff. And those are extreme examples. But the daily examples that that happen are a little more mundane, but just as malicious. Yes. And it ultimately, all of the into the danger moments that I think that we've experienced here at the base level are a relationship that has gone awry. Tension has been formed. A rift was created and the two parties decide they're not going to do anything to fix it. Right. They are stubborn. They are angry. And they would rather carry the anger and the bitterness versus deal with it. Now, why is it that people avoid entering the danger in dealing with these things? Well, because it is risky. Okay. And what what do you mean risky? Well, how is a person going to respond? I mean, let's say you have a relationship. You could lose a friendship over that. If you have two staff members that enter that danger and one 
you know, totally resist that. Well, now you've got a, a rift between those two people. Right. Even if the intention was right out of love. And, you know, we talk about grace, mercy, diplomacy, and tact. Amen. So grace, sometimes grace is tough love, right? And so there's a risk at, at people not responding the way that you hope they would respond. There's a risk of you getting a reputation. You know, it's just, it is risky, but it's worth the risk. You also, I think when we encounter it as Christians, it gets really confusing. Even though we have Matthew 18 as a guide, plus we have other passages that say, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't yeah. let your anger become sin. And we have all these verses, I think, to support entering the danger. Right. Yet, as Christians, we feel like if I go have a conversation with this person about how they have missed an expectation or just personally hurt me in something yeah. that they said, yeah. that that's unchristian. Because Jesus said to turn the other cheek, yeah. said to pray for your enemies, <laughs> yeah. right? To show grace. Yeah. So grace means I'm just going to take it and I'm going to keep on moving, yeah. right? Is that right or wrong? Well, I, yeah, I think it's wrong. I mean, really, you talked about Matthew 18, right? So Jesus' command is to the offended one to go and make it right. Yes. Not even the offender may not even know they've offended. And so, but also in scripture, it says if you come to lay your gift at the altar and there realize you have a broken relationship with someone, go fix that relationship. Right. And doesn't necessarily designate offended or offender on that one, but the significance of unity as we come to worship. So to ignore that and not protect that, I think that is wrong. And it's, it's, <laughs> it makes a dangerous situation more dangerous. And we're not willing to do that. So I, I think we've established that you have no scriptural support to just bottle the yeah, issue, right. right? But then we have the other issue of, well, again, I'm going to apply grace to this as Jesus has taught by turning the other <laughs> cheek, yeah. because I know if I talk to that person, it's going to stir up more pain for that person. And so I'm just going to be the bigger person and not deal with it. The fallacy of that, though, <laughs> is if we're honest, yeah. we're not so concerned really about providing pain to the other person. Right. We are uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to experience the rejection that potentially could come again. Yeah. And so more times than not, as I've talked to people, that they're approaching the precipice of dealing with a conflict and they shy away from it really out of selfishness is what it really boils down yeah. to. I don't want to deal with additional pain. So I'm making the choice to just deal with the pain I already have. Yeah but I don't want any more, so I'm out. Yeah. Which, I mean, is it fair to call that selfishness? I or? think it is. I mean, because ultimately you're just protecting yourself rather than really reaching out and love and care for the other person. And, you know, I mean, and I think there's also this issue of, well, hey, who am I to right. judge someone else? Right. I am flawed. So yes. is this going to expose my flaws? Is this person, person going to point out where I've gone wrong? Yes. So there's a risk of, oh, I know he knows some stuff, so... <laughs> This going to all, now it's going to come back on me, you know? And so I had a, the risk. I had a conversation with a church member here the other day and it, we laughed about this. So I, I don't think he would mind me sharing, but he, <laughs> he was saying, Hey, I've got a problem that when we are in a meeting, there is someone next door in another room making a huge racket hmm. and it's really impacting our ability to have our Bible study. It's distracting and it detracts from the word of God being teached. And I said, man, what are you going to do about it? Hmm. He said, oh, no, no, you misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, you're a staff member at the church. <laughs> and you I really think it. this type of thing needs to come from a staff member. Yeah. 
I said, oh, well, hang on a second. Are you not in the priesthood of believers? Uh, do you not think <laughs> yeah. you have the authority to be able to walk next door and say, yeah. I am teaching God's word next door, which yeah. is preeminent. Yeah. We are carrying on in this room with grace, mercy, diplomacy intact. Would you please find another room to do this in? Yeah. Well, What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. One, did you tell them that's when I have to practice my bongos? I'm sorry. That's <laughs> just the only time I set aside. And second of all, did you say God's words teached? I think you said It teached. done taught? <laughs> did I say that? Okay. Well, chalk that up in my Baylor education. God's being teached. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, but, yeah, and we, we laughed right. about it because he really didn't want to do it. Yeah. He really wanted me to go to confront this you, person, yeah. <laughs> right? And I said, no, my friend, that's not how this works. God's anointed you. To yes. Mm. You you are fully equipped. Because again, I, and I threw out Ephesians too, and I said, hey, we are called to equip the saints for the yeah. ministry of the gospel. You know what? This sounds like ministry to me. <laughs> so let me tell you how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Now you go do it. I'll equip you. Now you're equipped. <laughs> right. Now I've empowered you. Go do so it. So in his case, it was probably embarrassment, you know, uh, not wanting to to go talk to someone he doesn't know and sound like an old man and tell yeah. him, get off my yard, you're, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> but man, I just don't know any other way to do it. You also said something very interesting earlier as to another reason why they don't do it is because they never have done it. So yeah. therefore, they've never been taught right. how to do it. Yeah. I'm amazed, not amazed anymore of, about this, but it, it's still a little shocking to my system. I'll never forget this issue where we had three people that were in some really heated and unhealthy conversations. And so we made the decision, hey, you know, when you deal with these things, you need to deal with all parties affected. You don't deal right. with just one and then go yeah. talk to another. I mean, you bring them together. Yeah. And what surprised me when we brought them together and we had a conversation, and it was really as simple as, we hear these things are happening. Mm -hmm. We want to get together as a group yeah. and talk through them. Yeah. One, to find out what is true, to find out where is the pain, right. and then bring restoration to this. Yeah. And what surprised me, I think, was the offense that people felt in the room. Really? They're shocked, right? Absolutely shocked. How dare you oh. bring us all together to talk about <laughs> to this it. issue? And that's part of the problem. They've never talked about it together. Man, I, I tell you, I think that they've never, in that particular scenario, they never did. I don't think that parents are necessarily, the whole grace and manners and how to talk to people, I think that's a skill that our parents taught us that yeah. perhaps is not being taught as much today. But then also the workplace, and especially now past COVID, one of the things that really surprises me about the recent issues, I'm looking for themes. What are the big hot topics that are being driven into corporate life today? And what do yeah. we as a church need to learn in response? Yeah. And one of the big article themes out, out there today is on social skills in the workplace hmm. that organizations have a responsibility today and an expectation to teach people skills. Yeah. Yeah. And because we throw out collaboration, <laughs> that's the big thing. We yeah. are remote, we are hybrid, we are collaborating and we're four day work weeks and yeah. etc. Right. right? So right. now people aren't together as much mm. and they don't have the skill set and so there is a huge push in corporate training to now start going back to the basics and teaching people, hey, this is how you have a conversation. <laughs> this crazy? is how you write an email. That's the that, world we're in though. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. So I agree with you. People haven't been taught these things yeah. and it gets really uncomfortable. 
when you don't, with any piece of knowledge that you don't have and now you have to go do something that you need that piece of knowledge for. Yeah. I mean, even for me, I mean, it stirs me up inside, makes me want to throw up a little bit. Is it scary? Well, this, the enter the danger statement is one of eight cultural value statements that we have. These are internal statements that we use as a staff to be able to guide the behaviors of how we deal with crisis, with people, with our work. And so we'll, we'll take some time in the coming episodes and, and dive into more of them. I do want to say really a couple of caveats to this. These are internal statements that by God's grace, we use them so much that many of our lay people, especially our lay leaders, they know these things, right? Right. Yeah. As we drive it home to every department and every ministry, whether it is lay-led or staff-led, They know some of these statements because we live by them. So we do model them. The other is though that you have to have a separate set of cultural statements, at least in our experience, that are church-related, that are community-facing, and they're not the same at all. Right. Right? So we do have two sets of cultural value statements. And also, let me say this, that it is more complicated perhaps than we're making it sound, yet it is a simple concept. Hmm that it really just requires a conversation. If you see two people, whether they are Sunday school leaders, and you know they're having a conflict and a problem with each other, they used to be really close, and now they're angry with each other as they walk down the halls, and they avoid each other. Man, as pastors, as shepherds, I think we have to step in and just ask the question, hey, I see a change here. What's going on? How can I help? How can I help in restoration? And you can find tons of example in scripture where God has called different leaders to enter the danger. You know, Paul and Peter comes to my mind when, when Peter was kind of being two-faced with the Gentiles and Paul corrected him. Right. Know. But again, it, because the danger is it creates disunity and it causes conflict and it allows sin to take hold. Yes. So if we don't enter things that make us uncomfortable, the results, the consequences are going to be even greater damaging than just basically what it is, just going to do something that makes us very uncomfortable. And it does. And and I, I've shared this before, I think, with our team and a couple other places that uh, I, I have read a tremendous amount on conflict management. Uh, it's, it's a topic that I think generally I'm pretty good at. Part of that is just how I'm wired. Part of it's how I was raised with yeah. my dad, the dad that he was as a leader. But I've spent a lot of time studying it. But I want you to know that even for me, when I deal with these issues, I literally am sick to my stomach before the meeting. That <laughs> yeah. never goes away. Yeah. It's all, it, we call it danger for a reason because yeah. it is dangerous. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, you know, I've seen you work with other staff members that needed to have a critical conversation. Yes. And you've walked them through that scenario. Okay. Practice for me what you're going to say. You know, that seems crazy. Yes. But thinking through that, and I think, first of all, you got to check your motivation. Yeah. If I feel led to do this and have this conversation, what is my motivation? To show this person how wrong they are, or is it really for reconciliation and right. for help and love? And then what am I going to say? Thinking through all that, I just, I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, but the Holy Spirit can give you some ideas before you walk into that. So there are a couple of things that you just need to do before you go into any kind of danger situation. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, and I'm grateful that you would even notice that I have done that. That is probably my first step practical help for pastors as you are asking those around you to do this, recognize it's going to take more setup time 
than just walking up and saying, hey, you need to go talk to that person, right? Right. Because especially people who have never gone through a process like this, where it is confrontational, it is difficult. I do practice and recommend other pastors to that you have the two parties and you know, you've told them both, you guys need to get together and talk through this. And I will bring each one into my office individually. I will ask them, what are you thinking? What's the issue? Why does it need to be addressed? And they have answers to all that pretty readily. When I turn around, I say, okay, now what are you going to say? Yeah. That's when it is just blank. <laughs> well, I don't know. God will give me the words yeah, when I get there. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. So let's out. role play. Yeah. And I do that. I role play with people that are new to this process. Say, okay, tell me what you're going to say. I'm going to give you two responses. Through a penitent response. And then I'm going to give you the aggressive pushback response because yeah, I want to hear what you say after that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Then I bring the other party in. We do the same thing. It seems like a <laughs> tremendous amount of time. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. But there is no other way. You can either teach someone how to fish or you can give them a fish. Yeah. Right. And so just there, there's no shortcut on this. It just takes time. It takes effort, energy. And it takes a willingness to have uncomfortable conversations, but as painful and as difficult and as challenging it is, I don't know any other way to have an organization that is honoring to God than to aggressively pursue unresolved conflict and drive it to resolution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recently had a difficult conversation with a staff member and I could tell that you told him what to say. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. He said, he, the word, like Christopher. he said the word Zwingli way too many times. <laughs> oh, what a dork. Hey, uh, in all seriousness, so if you're a pastor out there, you need some help dealing with conflict in your church, please contact Ronnie Marriott. Uh, it's at Ronnie C-Cast. at crazypastors.org. We'd be happy to have a cup of coffee and talk through the issues. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. If you have found this content helpful, please leave a review on your listening platform and share the episode with a friend if you have one. If you have questions, comments, concerns, complaints, or criticisms, please email me at Christopher at crazypastors.org. Thank you to our producer, Michael Glenn, and our engineer, Drew Broyles, who make us sound better and smarter than we actually are. Deuces. Deuces.